You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hi, everybody. This is Tony Stevens. And this is Claire Stanley. And you're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update for the week of November the 12th, 2018. Is it really the 12th already? Wow. How it is the happen? 12th. Today is Veterans Day when we're recording this. That's right. And we had an exciting opportunity to... Hold on, I'm turning that down there. <laughs> and we had an exciting opportunity to do Facebook Live today. Yep, hope everybody um, watched it. I hope everybody had a chance to check it out. Follow us on Facebook and and it was uh, it was good. It was we had to we had to redo it because we had a technical glitch at the beginning, which was so for those that did check it out, thanks for being patient. And, yep. Well, we had to sort of do a quick redo and fix it because we were 90 degrees off axis, apparently. Just made it even better the second yeah, time around. Kind of had a Max Headroom from the 80s look. He was like this I won't explain who he is, Declare. Um, <laughs> but to that end, you know, it was around Veterans Day. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're going to be talking about this week is some items around the veterans and their contributions they made. We're going to be expounding a little bit from our Facebook Live yesterday. Expounding, that's a good word. Thank you. I try to use it as much as I can because it like makes it. me sound much smarter. <laughs> Uh, but to that end, so we'll be talking a little bit about the contributions veterans have made, some of the advocacy, some things around Vatican, vet, veterans Spit advocacy out, that we actually had a, some work earlier this year around the budget, and that was some good news. So we'll, we'll even tie it up to the present in terms of activity that's taking place in sort of the veterans front and how that's helping, you know, not just the work that the veterans do day to day as, you know, the soldiers, men and women in uniform do day to day. And then when they're out of the military as veterans uh, to protecting and securing our democracy and, and all the things that we are extremely thankful for. But also too, you know, the contributions that are made that directly impact people who are blind. Yep. And in this case, the prevention of people who are blind. And we'll talk about that in a little while with some uh, federal funding dollars that's going towards some research that, that we, we helped advocate for. But in the meantime, how are you, how are you, Claire? Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm good. How are you, Tony? I'm good. I'm well. It is it is kind of surreal because this is my last couple of days and Yeah. Tomorrow's um, tomorrow's Tony's official last day. No, Wednesday. I'm Wednesday. not Tuesday. I, I think this drops on Tuesday. I don't even so. know what day of the week it is, but So I will be just just words echoing in the atmosphere in the ionosphere. Far, so far away. we're gonna make sure Tony comes back. He uh, he can't get rid of us that easily. So you will hear him on um, ADA update, uh, ACB update. Clearly, I can't yeah. talk today. Um, but Tony, you know, as your last official podcast as an ACB employee, what what are some of your favorite memories from ACB? Oh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Um, some of your favorite you are, topics. Yeah. Some of your favorite topics. You, you know, worked on. it is. Um, I think one of the greatest parts about this job is working with some amazing advocates, yourself included. Um, you know, Eric, who had my job, our executive director, had my job before me. And he did an outstanding job of really laying the groundwork of where ACB is today and its advocacy work. But also all the, all the members, you know, I'm going to miss, even though I'm still a member and I'm still going to get involved and you might still hear me yammer every now and then on this podcast. I might sneak in every now and then. That's right. Um, you know, it's, the best part about this job is, I, and I tell it to everybody and I really mean it, you, you get to go out and brag about people. Mm. Uh, sometimes you have to plea, but for the most part, you're telling the stories of other people. And it's just been amazing, you know, 
I think of uh, of my ohana, which is Hawaiian for for family in Hawaii. Um, you know, they were so outgoing and gracious to me, and, and a reminder. You know, Anthony and Art and Terry and everybody yeah. out in Hawaii. Shout out to our Hawaii uh, to our Hawaii affiliate. You know, yeah. just just really what a, what a real sense of a family means outside of your blood family, uh, and how ACB in a sense is a family. And I and I really got to know that when I was uh, had the the fortunate opportunity to go out to Hawaii last year um, but you know it's it's people like that you know our members that that are all around the state our folks in Florida our folks in California New York and all the other states I didn't mention um, and and I know that's like oh well that's a political thing to say but it, it really is true you, you get to meet some impressive people where you're like why am I the one do you know it's like I guess I'm the one that just said I'm gonna carve out some time and do this as a day job you know, but there's so many people that work after hours. So yeah. I'm going to miss that, even though I know I'll probably be falling into those volunteer traps as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... You can't so get away from us I, that I can't, easily. I can't. We had a... When I was in the Jesuits, which was a Catholic religious order many, many years ago, uh, and, and I had the opportunity, it was, it was a very amazing part of my life, um, very romantic and, and liberating and free and traveling around the world doing social justice work. And we had, But we had a motto... For anybody that has spent an exorbitant amount of money sending their children to like Georgetown or Fordham, or I, I was working at University of Detroit and, and out in Chicago as well at Jesuit schools out there, um, you know, uh, give us a year and we'll ruin your life. Huh? And that was the motto of the Jesuits. And we always joked about that, that, you know, these parents will spend this huge amount of money and then they come there for a year and then they get the social justice bug and then they want to go do good for the world. That's awesome. So, you know, in some sense, you know, I hope ACB's as influential in the sense that I'll still be getting involved and it's not that it's ruined my life at all don't get me wrong but but uh, you know it's it's a fun way to say uh you get the hook and then mm. you just keep going and going and going so we'll see you know there, there's been other great things through some of the other groups as well um and then going back to veterans hey I'll tie I like veterans. it full circle full, I'm full the circle. king of of tying things back um <laughs> no there's some amazing people Melanie Brunson, uh, shout out to Blinded Veterans yeah. Association. BBA, Melanie Brunson used yeah. to be our executive director here at ACB. She's now continuing to be a strong advocate in the blindness community by leading government affairs for the BVA folk, our Blinded Veterans Association. Uh, Paralyzed Veterans, Heather and the folks at Paralyzed yeah. Vets and Lee and Sue and, and, and all those folks at PVA, which is a, you know, another civil rights organization for all our, our folks that served in the military that got spinal cord injury. Um, you know, and all, all the other nonprofits that are out there, uh, just, you get to work with some amazing people. Really do. Yeah. And that's really cool. That's, that's going to be hard. I'm going to be working for a much smaller nonprofit now, but, but yeah. So at the end of the day though, you know, it's, 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 you, you do your tour of duty or your service as it is to sort of tie it back to military. Your tour speak. of duty. I like it. Yeah. And, uh, and you move on and change is good. So it's, it's good to bring in new blood and, and. And, and, you know, so, and it's good for my own life to have some change too, so. Yeah. But thanks, yeah. No, so that's, you know. Are there any issues? You know. I know we said we're going to keep you on for some issues you've worked on, like uh, artificial intelligence, AI, that's kind of your baby, one of your babies. Are there any issues like that you've enjoyed over? There are, years? yeah, and you'll, you'll, I think you'll still hear me chime up a lot in that space. Uh, it, it's weird when you kind of become the nerd that's really into this <laughs> or nerd that. alert. And yeah, but you, you kind of become that person, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, you'll, you'll still hear me around. We have an event planned on November 29th at Verizon, uh, which will focus on AI and accessibility at the intersection of digital infrastructure reform, 
believe it or not, that stuff can really be exciting because when we start talking about autonomous vehicles and, and, and the way that we can augment sensory perception, it's mm-hmm. exciting science fiction stuff that's reality. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of my, my you know, little, little nerd on, you know, cave I've dug out for myself. So you'll probably still hear me around that and just some other, you know, other things that's exciting to still advocate for. That's great. So even as, as a member, you know, in other ways. So, so yeah, so don't, don't think I'm going anywhere. So now how can we tie that back to the military again? Uh, MacArthur, when he, when he had a, uh, <laughs> why do you laugh? <laughs> I'm sorry. How often do you quote General MacArthur? Every day, mm-hmm. every single day. <laughs> so yeah, I loved his line when he resigned from uh you know he was leading the pacific during world war ii and helped bring around the victory in japan although that was a horrific way to end the war but Mm -hmm. i guess a necessary evil as all historians will say yeah but you know he said you know old was old legends don't die they just fade away Mm -hmm. um my hope is i'll just kind of fade away you know you'll hear me you'll hear me and then i get quieter and quieter and then and then, you know, you get new blood and new change and, and new You heard it from Tony, so. ladies and gentlemen. He called himself old. I did not do it this time. So. I am I am an old man. I even have my, you can't hear my scruff in my beard. I'm getting winterized growing my beard out. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure it's quite gray now after all these years. That's right. All the wisdom. Well, I've been doing this for 25 years, though. I mean, uh, I've been in the social justice trenches as you were for, as 25, you were for 25 years. 25 years ago, I was starting kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That makes me feel super old. You're welcome. <laughs> I was advocating in kindergarten. What were you doing in kindergarten? I was fighting for free school lunch and <laughs> lollipops every day. And so, um, yeah, I was no, probably so. doing the same. We'll go with it. No, I, I did. start. I, I started to, you know, it's, I don't want this to be a retrospective about me. Never mind. <laughs> but it was it is funny how you find yourself in life though i mean you know the advocate simply means to speak on behalf of people mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it's because i was a four-eyed kid that got bullied a lot but you know it's uh, either you either stand in silence or you speak up and and so i was lucky that whatever instilled in me that desire to speak up and now i get to go speak on behalf of families and and children in in baltimore which has its own urban issues yeah so you know I'm but, excited to have you on too to talk about the intersection between the blind and disabled community and you know what your organization will be doing because there's definitely intersectionality there too. So. There is, there is, and it'll be it'll be exciting just to be able to um, start talking more about that yeah. where I'll be at. Um, but yeah, we focus on you know a lot of issues that that deal with better schools. Yeah. And Baltimore is a unique city. It's undergone a lot of a lot of flight. People have left since the Freddie Gray murders. Oh and, yeah. And uh, but it but there is a diehard core group of I mean we moved into the city after Gray, uh, really in in search of kind of a, a renaissance of of activism, and just wanting to get involved in sort of grassroots work and our our family that's kind of where we are with our family my wife and my kids and we we love to to you know in a sense to organize and be part of communities that are engaging, and so because that's where passion is yeah. and as long as your passion. I like it. Yeah. Um, going back to the military, other than just fading away, the, <laughs> the tie back, you know, to veterans, uh, I, I, you know, I can't help but think, and I, I, I'd be curious to hear from you too, because those that listen to the Facebook Live, you know, we, we shared a little bit, we pulled the curtain back just a little, but one of the nice things about podcasts is you can pull back a little bit more, but even the Facebook Live about our own our own lives and, and our parents that were veterans. Mm-hmm. My dad was a sergeant in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. Semper Fi Marines. I learned how to 
fold my sheets perfectly and bounce a quarter off of them when I was a kid and nice. always said sir and ma'am and he ruled with a heavy fist but somewhere deep down in that post-traumatic stress <laughs> disorder from Vietnam he had love um, <laughs> but it was you know he, he was definitely a defining character in who I am now mm-hmm. and probably as to why I'm passionate about advocating for mm-hmm. people you know yeah um, but you know we are we come from our parents, right? And and for better tell or for tell me a little bit yeah. about your dad. And he he was in the navy. You said he was. He was in the navy. I want to say for five plus years, he um, joined when he was twenty three, twenty four, I believe it was something like that, um, and stayed on for about five plus years, and ended up in Southern California, where I'm from. Um, he's from the East Coast originally. Um, Is yeah, he really? He was Where was he from originally? Mm-hmm. Um, born in Pittsburgh, lived most of his life down in Southern Virginia. Okay. Um, down in Portsmouth, so bopped around a little bit. Was he a sail? Does he? Did he ever sail boats? Did he ever? I believe he did. Yeah. Was he a boating type person? Did you all ever go out on the water as a child? We didn't. No. Um, mm. No. I wish we would have. But yeah, I wish he's he's passed now. But I wish I would have had the opportunity yeah. to ask him more about his military days but i think it definitely had a huge impact on who he was so my my grandfather joined the navy in world war ii after um pearl harbor mm-hmm. and i think partly because he knew that the soldiers would all go and get shot up so he wanted to join the navy, navy. <laughs> um little did he know that he'd get sent to the south pacific where there were yeah. a ton of battles too but for sure he came back and never went on a boat again oh, wow. like just just was like no, That's it. Yeah. I'm done. I have, I have, I have had Fair my enough. share. Yep. He was on a small tug in the South Pacific, yeah, um, circumnavigating the ocean several times, and it was. But yeah, so did he ever talk about military at all, or? He was kind of hushed about it, actually. Every yeah. now and then, he would tell little stories, but I think a lot of it he kept private, which yeah. you know you hear more, more often than not. Sometimes it's. Yeah, I yeah. don't think you want to talk about a lot of that. It's a, it's so. a, it's a defining. It, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because my dad was the same way. I, I never heard him talk when I was a kid. When I went, interestingly enough, when I went blind when I was fifteen, I spent some time in the hospital, and he was tag teaming with my mom. They were divorced, but he was coming to help out and sit through the nights. Mm-hmm. And it was the only time I ever really talked to him. I was kind of in a daze of sodium pentothal from surgery and all this other stuff, but. Um, where he actually talked about the military, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I basically just asked him questions. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like, what was it like to go around the Cape Cape Horn on, the, on an aircraft carrier? He was on an aircraft oh, carrier wow. yeah. um, for a while, uh, the USS Yorktown, and what was it like in Vietnam and foxholes and that kind of stuff. Oh wow, yeah. Um, he was at Quezon for the Tet Offensive, which was a huge wow, like the big battle, yeah. and that was sort of where the you know the defining moment of the war was, but. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, but, but he didn't really, you're right, he didn't, it's interesting that something so defining of people's lives and their character, um, and I know it's got to be hard to talk about. I'm sure, I mean, we yeah. talk, we talk, we've talked in the past about blindness and the psychological impact that is never addressed in blindness, um, you know, and, and if it's a post-traumatic stress or a continued stress disorder, mm-hmm. um, depression, things like that, uh, but it's clear, and, and I think one of the great things around the 2007 and 8, when they amended the ADA, the ADA Amendments Act, was it finally started to recognize mental illness more. Exactly, yeah, shining light on mental health Shining light on mental health disabilities. And I, I think part of that, and on the Facebook Live, we talked about it, and you can share a little bit about it, about how, how much advocacy is really done in the moments after a war sort of 
subsides. And in this case, we had the Afghan and Iraq war. Exactly. When the ADA was starting fashion, to see my generation, yeah. of the Afghan, you know, war in Afghanistan and Iraq and that kind of thing, and people coming back with both physical disabilities but also mental health disabilities and all kinds of different things and. Yes, society really starting to look deeper at these issues and the government taking steps to provide accommodations. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. There's no, still a long no, way to go, but it is great to see that you know more is being done to accommodate these people. When I, um, I'm, I went to law school and my first summer internship in law school, you uh, intern during the summers to get more hands-on experience. I was working at one of the protection and advocacy systems in California in the Sacramento office. And one of the um, men in our office, he actually did a lot of hands-on legal work with veterans because mm. there's that direct correlation there between uh, disability and uh, you know veterans because you come back again with all kinds of physical disabilities, emotional, mental health disabilities, a combination of you know, any number of those. So it's a big intersection there that we need to look at. Yeah. I had a friend of mine in the Jesuits. I played bass and um, he was a drummer, but he was an ex-Navy for, I can't remember how many years he was in the Navy for a while, but he he went through a, you know, sort of a discharge of, of personal matters, but, mm -hmm. but somewhat health related, medical related. And uh, has since started a nonprofit called Warrior Beat which is it, which puts drums in the hands of veterans. Oh, that's awesome. And it's almost like therapeutic, literally, to bang on things yeah. is, is somewhat of a therapy. Um, and goes around the country. He's based in Ohio, but he'll they have this big thing in D.C. They all come to D.C. and drum. And, um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear a lot of these grassroots groups that are really helping with veterans now to try to find ways. The service animal connection with veterans now mm -hmm. is, is really huge. I think the psychiatric service animal has really risen to a point of acceptance, thanks in part to the veterans. To the veteran community, yeah. Yeah, to the veterans community. And and it really is, you know, there's a lot of programs out there for service animals. There's a lot of therapeutic groups and, and um, sort of holistic methods and, and other ways just to get supports in. That always historically, unfortunately, hasn't been the case. When my father came back from Vietnam, it was a very different situation yeah. he walked into in the 60s uh, when he came back in 1970 when he was discharged. But... But, you know, it is, it is very much um, a, a point when uh, war uh, creates struggle and problems and people come home and we've got to find ways to fix those. And so often uh, you were saying things like rehab and things like that are direct mm -hmm. results of, yeah, of I think conflict. I, I think I read once that some of the first examples of what we call now vocational rehabilitation, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about because persons who are blind or visually impaired have access to, to vocational rehabilitation. Um, some of the very first examples of it, I can't remember what they called, but essentially were born out of World War One and on, you know, going forward from that then to World War Two and Vietnam and so on, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think that's great, you know, of course it's heartbreaking to know that it took something so significant as a world war to to shake things up and say hello you know we need to do something but at least you know it's it did do something we had we, thousands of you know soldiers coming back and we had to say you know what we have to provide services for these people well you think in the old days they would they would maybe get a pension hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. um like a monthly stipend uh convalescence homes yeah. you know these homes of these wounded warriors that just uh, where folks kind of withered away, yeah. and 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 the idea that no, we can, 
be rehabilitated and come back and come back even stronger. And exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it was. It, it's an interesting, just to kind of follow the arc of, of the representation of veterans. And, you know, to, to say that, uh, you know, my father definitely instilled in me a sense of discipline as a sergeant in the Marines. Uh, it's kind of in him is how he, you know, raised his kids. And uh, But you think of the discipline that soldiers have. Yeah. And if that spirit's not broken when they get back, they can do some pretty amazing pretty things. Pretty awesome things I mean, with it, yeah. Uh, I've been so inspired by veterans in the past that have just really been, uh, you know, in a sense, enormous role models for not just people with similar like-minded conditions and challenges, but for all people. Yeah, for sure. So, and, and you know, it's funny, too, when you look at some of the, the odder things of blindness, like Braille. We talked in Facebook Live about the That's Braille. Right, yeah. That comes from soldiers, the French soldiers. Uh, secret messages. My boys love thinking of it that way. In fact, when that. Oliver was in the Boy Scouts and they learned about messaging and coding and things like that, they included Braille in that lesson. That's awesome. Um, along with like signal flags and all these other things. Whenever people ask me if I have like any secret powers, I always say, I can read in the dark. Yes. And that's what it was. That's what it started Yeah, us, so. I know. It's like, yes, I can. If the, if the lights go out in the elevator, I'll know what floor we're That's right. <laughs> well, I guess we'd be stuck if the lights went out anyways, so. Um, yeah, and then uh, the guide dogs, thanks to guide dogs from mm-hmm. German soldiers coming yep. back from World War One. Yep, Buddy, the first Buddy. U.S. Uh, German Shepherd guide dog. Blinded yep. veterans themselves were chartered from Congress, and they were uh, after World War Two, I believe. Yes, I believe so. So, yeah. thanks to them. Um, the Rehab Act was, what, 73? 73, Kind yep. of the, foot, the footprints of the Vietnam mm-hmm. conflict. Yep. So yeah, so you know, it, it's interesting just to follow the impact that they've had on our lives as people who are blind, um, and yeah, also from huge. advocacy too. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it just I just again I think of all the major movements in our history, and they they tend to tend to be that uh, like a, a cresting wave that comes after conflict. Yeah, this cause and effect. The tide goes yeah. away, then another tide rolls in. Yeah, so. for sure. But yeah, so thanks to our veterans. Yeah. yeah, we have an affiliate too. We have lots of special interest affiliates here at ACB, and one of them specifically is for it's Viva, uh, Visually Impaired Veterans Association, maybe you say. Visually Impaired Veterans of America. America, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, so great group. So if there are any uh, vets out there that want to get involved in the the blind community, you kind know, check it out. Find a place to hang your hat in ACB and, and get together right. with good fellowship with folks exactly. at our convention once a year. And so, so yeah, uh, this is, uh, you know, we, we mentioned at the beginning, uh, we did have some success this past year on some, some issues that, that are directly relating from, from conflict, from emergency surgeries on the battlefield. Uh, there was one of the issues we advocated for last year Claire, before Claire came here, mm-hmm. was specifically a, a research project that's currently underway in the Department of Defense for combat-related injuries. Mm-hmm. So how do they triage and how do they do sort of emergency rapid response, uh, you, you know, attending to people's health? And, you know, IEDs and, and other devices and, and hazards are big injury-inducing. Even, even outside of military, the number one cause of blindness for like 20-year-olds is injury, mm-hmm. you know young adults and and on the battlefield obviously you're very much at risk of injury of losing your sight the eyes are very fragile and and so there's this project uh, a demonstration research project to focus on how emergency medicine can significantly increase the likelihood of not losing your sight from combat related injuries and there was fear that this could get cut blinded veterans came to us raising the issue to us and, and we along with them and other groups took this up to the hill 
Uh, we were pushing for $10 million, and Congress actually came back and gave 15 nice. to sort of finish off the next stages. They, they're now working through the research. They kind of started it off. you got to figure out what the project's going to be and the scope and all these things, and then you start really getting, getting it down and dirty, gritty with it. And so they're moving into that stage thanks to some appropriations earlier this year that was passed. And that, you know, it, it, it was fun to, to advocate. I shouldn't say fun. It was um, inspiring to advocate on issues that, that are alongside the veterans because they're always such a great group to advocate with. Uh, they definitely get the attention of Congress, which is always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but then, too, to think that this is something that is going to help every emergency room in this country that deals with trauma of the eyes with folks coming in. So the research isn't going to just help people on the battlefields, but our hope is that it can help us in, you know, if it's Maryland shock trauma, um, if it's DC, if it's, you know, um, wherever in the country, any urban major emergency room where there's, you know, gunshot wounds or explosions or things like that to the eyes. Uh, maybe we can find ways to reduce the risk of people going blind from injury. Yeah, and it's great, like Tony just said, how we see so many things we mentioned before that you know initially are developed for persons in the military who have come out of the military and they trickle down to you know those of us on the civilian side so yeah. we have a lot to be thankful for and appreciative of from the the military perspective because it does eventually benefit all of us so. even the uh, even the autonomous vehicle space mm-hmm. i mean all that autonomous research ai research yeah dark the the which is the defense um, uh, advanced research project. It's called DARP. They're the really smart people in the That's defense right. department. Um, they've been working this stuff in year, you know, for years. Like they, they have. There's a, a YouTube video. Um, someone was describing to me about a, 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 an autonomous jet that's able to land on a moving aircraft carrier that is rising with the swells of the waves and always hits the third cable. Like they have these five cables on an aircraft carrier you're supposed to catch, and the third one is the sweet spot, and it always hits it. And and you know, so part of me says, all right, if we can do that then we can navigate blind people independently through the streets safely and in, in vehicles or on their own using AI. So I like that. My, um, my dad, after he was out of the military, he, uh, he was an engineer. He got all his training in the military, actually, mm-hmm. is where he got a lot of his training. Um, but he was an electrical engineer. Oh, and cool. on the civilian side, he helped develop the landing program for a lot of these unmanned planes. So... I never wow. thought about that, but now I can say thanks, Dad. You helped yeah. start some of the assistive tech that benefits the blind so when, community now. You so. know, when we start picking up a, an autonomous vehicle taxi next year in, in San Francisco, we can thank yeah. sort of those folks that, that work quietly and in, in top secret. You know, shoot, the Internet came from the Defense Department. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these things that are defense-related uh, sort of secret projects that when they go public, they change the world, and it, you know... I just think how the internet changed our world as yeah, people who are blind. So. Seriously. So yeah, thanks, thanks to our veterans, thanks to people that are serving now, and 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 that's kind of where we're at this week, I think. Yeah, for sure. So it's just kind of a week. We're going into Thanksgiving next week, so you know this is a good time for us to be thankful of our democracy and those kind of things. For sure. Yeah. Excellent. Any last words, Tony? I don't know. You know. Uh, you say it best when you say keep advocating. That's right. You know, uh, let's keep our voices going. So awesome. Yep. Keep advocating, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Take care. We met as soulmates on Paris Island. We left as inmates from an asylum, and we were sharp. As sharp as knives And we were so gone
You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For questions and comments, email advocacy at acb.org. Learn more about the American Council of the Blind by visiting us online at www.acb.org.